to you all. It's lovely to see you here. Uh, we, we just need to acknowledge, don't we, the reality of what has happened over the last few days with the death of Queen Elizabeth, the only monarch I have ever known in all of my life. Uh, and now, you know, we have a new monarch. Later in our service, when we come to our prayers of intercession, really, the, that is going to be the focus uh, for all of our praying. But right at the outset, it's, it's just right to acknowledge that ourselves. Um, so welcome to you all here in the space. Uh, welcome to you if you're accessing uh, through a screen. Very glad that you're here. Uh, and I pray that we all sense the presence of the risen Jesus as we worship together. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And we're so glad that that is true. If you're able, please stand. We'll sing together. Praise is rising.
you be seated, friends? Let us pray. You are indeed worthy of all of our praise, all of our adoration. And our hearts are filled with thankfulness for all that you have done for us in your Son, Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Father God, our lives would be nothing without you and without the work that he has done. And we're so thankful that there is a life to be lived because of that. And it's a rich and a full life for each one of us when we say yes to what you have done for us on the cross. We recognize that we're not all that we should be and we freely and easily confess our sin to you, repenting of it, turning away from it. We pray, Father God, that you will renew us and refresh us once again, that you will pick us up and set us off on the road with you. Refresh our faith, renew our vision, lead us on in the ways that you want us to go, we pray. And we ask all of this in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Um, in a moment or two, we're going to hear from the scriptures, and towards the end of the reading, we're going to read about a man called Barnabas who seems to be uh, the best friend that Saul of Tarsus has at this point. So a little, a little story from a book of stories by uh, a minister of a previous generation called R.E.A. White, Reg White. Um, it's a Scottish minister, Baptist minister, very well known. Uh, in certainly in a generation previous to mine. Um, but this is a lovely little story that he has written, and it's called A Friend of a Friend is a Friend. Mr. Reginald White, said the stranger at the door, by the way, no relation to me, I hasten to add. <coughs> Mr. Reginald White, said the stranger at the door, a question mark pushing up his eyebrows and his voice. Yes. I said nervously, for this was unusual. Few people spell out my full name. Those who know what it is generally cut it short to Reg. Everyone else makes do with my initials. So when he said Mr. Reginald White in that formal way, something cowardly inside me whispered, Yet I could not think of any wrong that I had done recently. Uh, however, the stranger just said, good, quite cheerfully, and asked if he might come in. As we sat down together, he went on, you were in such and such a place until about nine years ago, I believe, and before that, you were at this place. That was all correct, but still more mystifying. Who on earth are you? I asked but more politely than that, of course. And he said, I am from New Zealand. We have not met. In fact, I have never been in this country before. Then how in the world do you know me? I wanted to ask. But perhaps I did not need to. The look on my face showed my complete bewilderment. Then the stranger said, you know Mr. So-and-so. 
and everything became clear. Of course I knew Mr. So-and-so very well indeed. And soon we were discussing mutual friends, news, the children's progress at school, weddings, books, and we went on chatting for an hour. That is the wonderful thing about friendship. A shared friend makes a new friend. Any friend of a friend is a friend to me until the chain is endless. I sat once at a wedding breakfast in a Chinese restaurant in London with a very happy wedding party. A young Scottish friend of mine had just been married to a lovely Japanese girl and a great circle of his friends and her friends and our friends had come to share their day. On one side of me sat a Welsh lady and on the other a young man from Chinese Formosa. At the bottom of the table sat the lady and gentleman with whom the bride had been staying. They were from Germany, though they had come to London via the United States and brought greetings from friends there. Two of the other people present had first met in Russia. I think I'm right in saying that another guest was from Holland, although I may be wrong. And because the bride was a nurse in one of the London hospitals, fellow nurses were represented, I seem to remember, by a nurse from Jamaica. Certainly the two ladies who sat opposite me were English. They had taught the bride her first English lessons at home in Japan, where they had been missionaries. A cosmopolitan breakfast, and we all talked at once. I remember each of us listening to the language or languages he happened to know. But how we talked, with news, greetings, inquiries, comments from all around the world. And yet that company had never met before, nor, so far as I know, have most of them met since. Gathered from so many nations, races, corners of the world, we ate so many varied foods and talked in many languages and laughed together in the same language as friends do. A little earlier at the wedding service, we had sung together too and prayed together for the happy pair. And that was the whole secret. From so widely separated places, we were drawn together as friends of him and her. And all of us were also, in some measure at least, friends of Christ. And a friend of my friend is a friend to me especially a friend of my friend Jesus. He can make the whole world one. As we motored home from that lovely breakfast, threading our way through London's traffic, a saying of Jesus kept echoing in my mind. He often spoke of the kingdom of God as a wedding feast. Once he added, and men will come from east and west, from north and south, and sit at table in the kingdom of God. Nothing in all the world binds together men and women, boys and girls, of all nations and peoples and tongues, like sharing together in the love of God through Jesus our Lord. Truly and indeed, every friend of my friend Jesus is a friend to me. So, let's hear from God's word.
This morning's reading comes from Acts chapter 9, verses 19b to 31. Saul in Damascus and Jerusalem. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews But they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Thank you, Gareth. Uh, We'll sing together once again. Give thanks to the Lord. If you're able, please stand. And at the end of this song, I will receive the offering.
And let us pray. Father God, once again, we've come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Now, if you're involved with Junior Church, it's time for you to take your leave. The Lord be with you. Amen. So we come to our prayers of intercession, and as I said at the beginning of the service, really all of our prayers are for the royal family and for our nation, for one another. So let us pray. How does one pray, Lord, in the light of such momentous news? How does one acknowledge the awful reality that a constant presence in our lives for so many years is now taken from us. We grieve the loss of our Queen and celebrate her example, not, not because of the office of state that she held, but because of the person that she was. We remember a life of dutiful service, inspired by the example of our servant, King Jesus. She made no bones about her reliance on you, Lord, in order to be all that she was. 
And she spoke much more openly about that in recent years. We thank you for her boldness in proclaiming the gospel in that gentle and understated way. Just speaking of the importance that you made in her own life. It helped me to be courageous as a minister to speak openly and freely about the strength that I found to serve in you. I'm so thankful for the way that she spoke about you and her relationship with you. And I pray that all of us might speak easily and freely about the difference that you make in our own lives, just as she did. We seek your help, Lord, to live lives that declare our own faith with equal clarity. We pray for her family, for her children, Charles and Anne, Andrew and Edward, as they come to terms with the loss of their beloved mother. And whilst this is of great moment for all of us in the country, it it is particularly poignant and distressing for them. To lose your parents be very difficult indeed. That constant source of guidance, wisdom, love and nurture, no longer there. And of course in this past year, they've lost both their father and their mother. And now they are the senior members of that family. They are the older generation in that family. Others will be looking to them for wisdom, for counsel, for guidance. We pray that you will be all that they need in these days, especially for our new king, Charles, we pray. He has big shoes to fill. Elizabeth, at an early stage in her life, pledged to serve the nations. And as her life unfolded, we saw that happen. And how well she did this. Now Charles has taken up that pledge to serve equally diligently with whatever time is his to serve. We thank you, Lord, that he acknowledged you in his public proclamation, in his public declaration of service. And we pray that you will hold him in the palm of your hand just as you held his mother, our dear Queen Elizabeth. 
things change now for all of us. And also they stay the same. There is still a monarch. But the name and the cipher is different. But the institution is still there. We are all in this early phase of mourning. We are all in shock. Can it really be true? Has she really gone? Yes. And in these days, we thank you for the stories that will continue to be told of her and the way that she was, the way that she spoke to people, the way that she received them, whether they were high or low. Her easy way of conversing, her knack of making people feel comfortable in her presence. There will be so many groups and peoples around the country and around the world who will miss her presence. From world leaders and statesmen of all stripes through to the Women's Institute at Sandringham where she often would attend. We miss her more than we can say. And so many of us never met her, but she was that constant presence for us. And now no longer there. And of course, her passing reminds us of our own losses too. Can we take a moment to acknowledge the reality of that? We thank you that your promise is never to leave us or forsake us. And as we were recalling just two or three Sundays ago in the reading and reflecting on Psalm 23, even when we are in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. We thank you that there is nowhere where we are away from you. There's nowhere where we are absent from your presence, as it were. We are bereft, Lord. That is the truth of the matter. And we need you today as much, if not more, than in any other day. Thank you for listening to us. Continue to walk with us, we pray as we seek to follow the example of our dearly departed Queen Elizabeth. Let your strength be our strength as we go forward together.
gather our prayers together in the prayer that you taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we sing together once again, friends, Jesus, hope of the nations. If you're able, please stand.
Amen. Do you sit down? So we, we've been working through uh, the Acts of the Apostles for these many weeks, and you've only another week or two to endure, and then it will all come to an end, because I will come to an end in terms of being your minister. I promise nothing more drastic than that is going to happen. But just a reminder, you know that the Spirit of God came at Pentecost, the Apostles uh, declared the glory of God in all of the known languages of the world uh, as they were present in that place. Uh, people asked, what is this? Many, many came to know Jesus for themselves, uh, up to 3,000 on that first occasion. There was an explosion of church growth. Uh, the need to deal with the administration of such a large group of people uh, the appointing of deacons to serve at table, uh, and the way in which they were so much more than that. Uh, Stephen, uh, declaring so boldly uh, the good news about Jesus, being martyred, the first Christian martyr, for his faith. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, standing, watching, giving his approval to all that was going on around Stephen and his death. And then... Uh, getting letters from the chief priests in Jerusalem to go to Damascus and seek out all those Christians he could find there to bring them back in, cha <coughs> excuse me, in chains uh, to be dealt with. And on the way, that amazing encounter with Jesus, the bright lights, the clear voice, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. And the, the comedy with Ananias, um, Ananias, yes, Lord, I want you to go to this house. You'll find a man there named Saul. He's praying. He's seen you come and lay hands on him, and uh, he'll receive his sight. Um, are you sure, Lord? I mean, there's one or two things you ought to know about this fellow before. No, no, just go. Do what I'm asking you to do. You thought about all of that last week, didn't you? And so Ananias does as he is asked to do, lays his hands on Saul as he is then. And he is healed. And suddenly this scourge of the church is now such a strong advocate. He starts to preach and teach that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He's called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. God has made that clear to Ananias as he has sent him to go and lay hands on him and pray for him. But his strategy is always to start with his own people. He always goes to the synagogues first uh, whenever he goes to a new place. And as the book of the Acts of the Apostles unfolds and the focus becomes more about Paul and his work, you will see that as you read on through the book. And that reminds us, doesn't it, friends, that missionary endeavor really is not just out there, it's also in here too. Lots of people use this building. Lots of people come through the doors. Uh, and they don't all come because they are thoroughgoing disciples of the Lord Jesus. In fact, who knows? There may be someone here this morning who is thinking about what it might mean to be that sort of person. 
warm to the idea, but not quite there yet. The way that we behave, the way that we speak, the way that we respond to one another and to them, well, that will say something about whether or not Jesus is alive. That will say something about whether we are going to be obedient to the command that Jesus has laid upon all of his followers. Love one another as I have loved you. This is how people are going to know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. It's a reminder that mission is local, national, international. It's out there, it's in here, it's not just geographical, it's generational too. I am delighted that next week I'm going to get wet. Because one of our young people has come to that place where they know for themselves Jesus is Lord. And they want to acknowledge that publicly. Uh, And I just take this moment to remind church members at the end of this service, a very short church meeting to hear reports about that person. About five minutes. So, you know, as soon as you've got your tea or coffee or whatever, come back quickly. And uh, we'll deal with that as quickly as we may. The call, friends, is to live our lives consistently, to pay attention to our own lives, to ask God to just sift us. Psalm 139, towards the end of that psalm, uh, the psalmist talks about God looking at him. And and it is that notion of um, a miller sifting flour through his fingers, looking to see, is it good? Is it right? Is it as it should be? Ask God to do that for you. And if he should put his finger on something that may need to change, that will need to change, then be mindful, take notice, and take whatever action you may need to take to put that thing right. So, Saul, this arch-persecutor of the church, is now Saul, uh, and will become Paul shortly, uh, this arch-defender of the church. He becomes very effective in his witness very quickly. And all those that hear him speak and all those that see him are amazed and astonished. Isn't this the fellow that was coming to destroy the followers of Jesus. Isn't this the man who had got letters of Mark from the chief priest to come and take folk away? And now here he is proving their case. What has happened? Well, the power of God is at work in him. Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. There's always a mixed reaction to the gospel, friends. Uh, And especially when you're a new convert and full of zeal and excited and wanting to speak about this Jesus that you found. Uh, And sometimes the response isn't quite what you anticipate, is it? But persevere, I would encourage you. You know, be aware of your context, be aware of who you're speaking to. Uh, tailor your conversation accordingly if you need to. Paul has to leave Damascus. 
because the opposition is becoming intense. There are threats of violence towards him, death even. How very ironic. The very things he was going to visit on the church are happening to him. He comes face to face with himself, doesn't he? He comes face to face with his old life, his old attitudes, his old actions expressed through others. And again, that can happen to us when we become Christians and we start to speak about uh, the joy that we found in this Jesus. What do you do? Do you roll over and die? Or do you remain faithful to God's call? So Saul is spirited out of Damascus and comes back to Jerusalem where not surprisingly he's met with some suspicion. And here is Barnabas, the son of encouragement, a true friend, a true friend to Saul. There's massive risk in this, isn't there? As indeed Ananias recognized before he did as God asked him to do. Lord, what about this man? <laughs> you know what he's capable of. And if you've seen one of your own, as indeed they had, they saw Stephen martyred. And this man standing, giving his approval to that act. And suddenly he turns up saying, brothers, really? Can you trust him? Well, someone has to take a risk. And that someone is Barnabas. He goes to the apostles on Paul's behalf. What if he's wrong? What might come next? Well, the life of faith, friends, is a life of risk. It is always a life of risk. Will you take that chance? Will you step forward? Will you do this or that or whatever God has called you to do? The life of faith is a life of risk. It makes me laugh when people who are not Christians characterize us as those who are somehow afraid all the time and needing you know, that crutch in order to live life. Nothing could be further from the truth. We are full of life and energy and spirit and want to get on and do all the things that God has called us to do and to be. And that can take us into some interesting places. Because I was a Christian, I became a minister. Because I was a minister, I became a chaplain in the army. Because I was a chaplain in the army, I went to Iraq and Afghanistan and other places too. Where will God take you? Where will God take you in the days that lie ahead? Being a Christian is not about changing into something that we are not. It is about becoming who we really are. Friends of God, 
and friends to one another. Where will the life of faith take you in this day and in all the days to come? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and for the encouragement and the challenge that it brings to us. As we continue to think and reflect and pray on what we have heard in this day, will you speak to us? Will you lead us on and take us to where you want us to be? We ask it all in your glorious name. So we'll stand and sing together once again our closing song, By Faith We See the Hand of God.
Now may the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.